What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's poppin' everybody? Hello and welcome to Popcorn Culture. My name is Ben Carlin and I am your host. Here with me today is my brother Jay, who will be in every episode. Yeah, that's me. That's me, the one true host. Ready to get back into some pop action, Ben. Pop episode 136. You know, so I'm, exciting. You know what I'm excited about this one? Why wait, what is what's special about this one? Well, well, it's well, it's really, I don't know. It's just another day, you know. Well, sure, but right. it's episode day in the life of the pop. But it's episode one thirty six, which if you subtract one hundred from, is my favorite number. Which oh, is, which is the number thirty six. Thirty six. Thirty six. I know. And, you know, I'm actually I'm like oddly proud of this because it's like this super arbitrary thing that happened when I was in third grade. We ran the mile. Right. I ran a six thirty six mile, which for one I was very proud of. Um, and it's pretty fast. And for what sixth grade? Third grade. Third grade. Third grade. I know. I know. I'm booking I'm, it. I'm straight booking it. <clears throat> um, yeah. So I was very proud of. I was very proud of my uh, my six thirty six. And as a result, it was this like really odd thing. But I just loved the thirty six. And because of that, and because it was like so close to the age of like AOL instant messaging and stuff like that, it ended up being like the number that I then included like all my screen names and stuff. And so then years later, my favorite number when I was eight is like literally my favorite number to this day. And I feel like it's, it's a fun one to be your favorite number because it's not so totally out there. Yeah. But it, you know, like so many people, it's like their favorite number is like seven. Oh, pff, so, Thir- so pedestrian 13. Yeah. You know, 13, Mm-hmm. three. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's so great about those? Nothing. I mean, three is in 36. So there's that. That's true. So it's, it's yeah. half cool. Do you want to know something totally random about your favorite number being 36? Is that, like I think once upon a time I even made a video about this on Super Carlin Brothers in year one about like what is the most random number between one and 100 like if you took a sample of um 
I guess I don't know if most random was exactly what I was trying to land out. But if you took like, you know, if you polled like thousands and thousands of people, just pick a number one through 100, like what would be the least chosen number? Oh, interesting. <laughs> like, because certainly you'd get tons of sevens and twos and threes and tens and sure, you know, sure. easy things like that. And I think the number I ultimately decided to land on for the most random number between one and 100 was 63. Oh, interesting. Yeah, which is like the opposite of yours. The, like the inverse. Yeah, little, that's funny. Little like the other side of the coin, if you will. Yeah, you like, you, like, you can just like flip it around and it's, it's right. almost the same. Almost right there. That's so cool, though, that 36 has like a certain like absolute value to you. I know. Yeah. yeah. It, 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 and, it, and it's yeah, it's I just think it's fun because it's like I never it, it, it there was never like a dis, like a day that it became the decision. It just sort of like persisted. Right. You know, so like after all this time, it just it just kept it just kept going, and now it just is. And now, so it, it's probably a bit of a reach because it's episode one hundred and thirty-six, not sure. episode thirty-six. Yeah, uh, where I would be willing to bet that if you went back to episode thirty-six, I feel like I probably you, you brought it up. I, I also brought it up then. Yeah. <laughs> Do you want to bet that I brought up the sixty-three thing then as well? <laughs> Holy cow! Can you imagine? Can you imagine if it's like this? This occurred to me the other day uh, because I was I was researching. Um, the the real life person uh pt barnum who invented like the circus invented the circus right yeah yeah i know yeah. what you mean yeah um, but the greatest like, showman the greatest showman this yeah. is the greatest show it's a great batch of songs it is there's some good songs in there i love doing that song on beat sabers in my vr Oh, yeah, I bet so. Yeah, I bet so. That's, that's a really a good, good one. one. Yeah. yeah. It does make me want to like dance. It so. does, like, at the very end, it's like, there's like the arrows will be up here. So it makes you go like boom, boom, poof, like that to like uh, end the song. It's really fun. That is really fun. Yeah. Right now, I'm actually trying to get Addy to raise both hands in the air and go, yes. Yes. So, anyway, that's a project yes. that I'm working on. Um, what was I saying, though? Something. Oh, so, yeah. You were reading about P.T. Barnum or oh, something. I was reading about P.T. Barnum because um, a couple of things. Uh, one is that I actually really do. Alice and I very much enjoy um, the movie, The Greatest Showman. It's like yeah. one of like our go-to, just sort of like feel-good, here-and-there mm-hmm. type movies and stuff. Um, and Alice like walked in to pink's version of a million dreams at our wedding no you know so it's like it's i mean it's funny but again it's almost like the 36 thing it's like that just like imbued this thing for us so it's like now it has forever been a huge part of like one of those important days of our life or whatever yeah so it's like i can't i can't really like get away from it but the other thing i'm always aware of whenever i watch it and it was actually the thought that i had the very first time i ever watched the greatest showman is i I think that the real world pt barnum uh, is not regarded as the greatest uh, maybe, human. Maybe maybe the greatest showman <laughs> still, but maybe not the greatest human. Sure. Um, and so I was. I, I we watched it the other night just because we were sitting on the couch. We were tired from like traveling and stuff. And so uh, the next morning I was up early and I was just like, I'm gonna read some more about like the, the real life P.T. Barnum. Right. And in the process of doing so, I stumbled across a psychological term called the Barnum effect. Oh, this has got Ben Carlin all over it. I know, right? And yeah. I was like, oh, well, now I got to know exactly what the Barnum effect is, which I'm going to pause right there and I'll come back to it. The reason I brought this up, though, is because we were saying, I wonder if during episode 36, we had the same conversation. Yeah. And the, the, what happened when I was reading about the Barnum effect is that I was like, the pop will inevitably go on for so long that I will have discovered some type of psychology term that I had never heard of before, talked about it, 
enough time will have passed that I will have forgotten about it, and then I will discover it again and tell you about it again, right? As if I'm telling you about it for the first time. Uh huh. And so when I was reading about the Barnum effect, I was like, Have I already talked about the Barnum effect? Is that the Barnum effect? No, it's not the Barnum. It feels effect. like th- that phenomenon itself should have its a uh, name. Oh, that's true. Right? Like you can keep rediscovering. Oh my gosh, could you imagine? It would be such a fine small amount of information that could be fascinating enough to you that you can discover it multiple times, but not so fascinating that you like retain it as like a part of like your everyday common knowledge. Yeah. Go to vernacular. Right. Like in the same way that we talk about, it comes up in a lot of stuff that I read is the Dunning-Kruger effect. Right. Which is sort of like the opposite of imposter syndrome. Yeah. They're, they're, they all have to do with this relationship between uh, what your current level of confidence is relative to your experience and, and the, skill. Yeah. And skill. And the idea is that uh, Dunning-Kruger means you have a, a small amount of experience, but you know just enough to feel extremely confident. And so then you end up in this sort of like, not highly experienced, highly confident zone. And then imposter syndrome is like you learn and learn and learn and learn and learn. The more you know about the topic, the more you realize you don't know. And therefore your confidence actually comes down because you're like, well, there's no way I know everything there is to know about this. And it's mm-hmm. like, but you do know a lot. Yeah. Um, I always think that's like the most fascinating thing. So I bring that up because Dunning Kruger has absolutely resided in my brain is like, I, I, I can recognize if I meet somebody or if somebody in my life is like, Falling victim to seems like the wrong word choice because I actually think you can get by on Dunning Kruger for yeah. a long time. I mean, yeah, it's like it's such a weird thing because it's almost like a placebo in in some regard where it's like your belief that you can do it will like carry you really far. It will into it, yes, and, and which is useful, right? And and so it's it's almost like a more instinctual <clears throat> version of fake it till you make it. <clears throat> which is like the idea of like, you know what? I'm going to show up every day. I'm going to pretend like I know what I'm doing. And then maybe one day I just will. Right. Um, this is much more like, I I know exactly what I'm doing. And then if, if, if it is a, an arena that you are operating within where the confidence can get you by and you don't need that much actual expertise to, to just keep pushing forward. Yeah. Or you can just convince, keep convincing people that you know what you're talking about, and they'll just keep believing you. <laughs> I um, feel like I've been experienced. I've been like in the in the dip on this um, myself recently when it comes to like Pokemon cards. Okay. Yeah, because like I feel like when I w- when we were in high school and I played like Yu Gi Oh a lot, like I was so frequently just at the mercy of what was available to me, and like I always felt like if I just had ac- complete access to whatever cards I wanted. I could like there would be no stopping me. I'd have it. I'm yeah. good. I'm su- I'm definitely good enough. It's the it's the it's, that's what's holding me back. And now like I just sort of like kept that attitude about my ability to play card games. Like going into Pokemon trading card games. Sure. Like I can win. And, and like now as an adult, it's just like guess what? I have adult money and I will spend it on this. And now it's like I do have access to whatever I want. And like so I I think I like I for a long time I was just like going into everything just like I got this. I am. I am great at this uh-huh. and like just believing like unquestionably like I was super good at it. And now I feel like recently I've just been in the zone where I'm like, I don't even know if I know anything about this game. I feel like I don't know what's good. I don't know what 
to like if I'm making the right decisions, you know. Oh my gosh. You know. It, that is very interesting. That yeah. is very interesting because I mean, if 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 there's one thing that I know about you, it's that you love Pokemon. Yeah, uh, that's true. I, I feel like it is the thing you think about the most outside of like work and your family. Sure. It seems like. <laughs> I don't know. Um, Maybe not the most, but, but well, I, mean, uh, I do. Know. Specifically, the trading card game recently, a lot. You're right. You're not okay, wrong. Okay, yeah. okay, okay. In recent memory, yeah. Um, but no, I, I have full. I have all of the confidence in you that you can do it. No, oh, thank I, you. I think I think that what you're doing right now, uh, with with the old Pokemon TCG, is I think you are like, I think you're at the point where you've you've studied the game well enough to know a lot of what people. Uh, might not know about the game, which is that there's what's called the meta. Uh, yeah. And the meta basically refers to like the generally agreed upon most competitive form of play that currently exists. And that translates to a very specific deck. Right. And some people say like, what's the best deck? It's just like, well, like what this week? You know? this, yeah. yeah, exactly. So like to be good at the game is to also like stay up with what is happening in the most competitive version of play. Right, because that will dictate play down the ladder. Exactly. So here's what I think is happening to you, is that what happens is, is that the people who are highly competitive, the best, are the ones who are dictating the meta because they are the ones who are going to tournaments and playing the deck. And then once they've played that deck and won, it becomes public information. So then right. everybody can go... Okay, what are those 60 cards? Right, which Wh is exactly what happens. Which, which ones don't I have? I'll buy those on eBay or whatever I need to do. I'll trade for them. I'll get them somehow. And then I will play with the same 60 cards that the person who just won the most recent regionals played with. Right. And then it's like, and, and this is this is different from like, say, Tom Brady playing like quarterback for the Patriots or something. It's like, there are so many intangibles to... And, and there still is for the Pokemon trading card game sure. as well. But like there's so many intangibles to like the way that he can read the space, the experience he has, like all, all this type of, of like whatever. You can't play the same deck that Tom Brady has because that would take you an entire lifetime's worth of passion and commitment right. to one very particular cause. But with the TCG, that's where the meta comes into play because you can literally play the exact same deck as the best person who is currently playing yeah. the game. But what happens then is everybody tries to figure out how to beat that deck. Which because, the best people do. <laughs> which the best people do. Right. Um, so then what you're trying to do is... But, but the first person who came up with the deck to beat causes the wave of everybody else playing that deck which then causes the small and this is where i think you currently reside mm -hmm. is within the group of people who are then attempting to poke holes in it yeah you know so like you're you're constantly trying to like okay well if everybody's doing this let me see if i can come up with my own thing that can beat that but the cool thing about that is that you're trying to come up with your own thing yeah and that takes a lot of trial and error and my suspicion is that that means it comes with losing a lot more but if I also know anything about you, it's that you're learning something every single time. It's just you also have to recognize that the the confidence impact that happens to like your 
individuals right. like I mean, psyche it's a, yeah it's is, like oh i just i feel like i've just lost like 15 games today you know it's like yeah but you're trying stuff exactly yeah yeah so i that's why i think i think probably what's <coughs> happened is you've you've learned enough to know how to be super competitive and if you want to go to weekend tournaments here in roanoke and play the best deck that currently exists based on who what they're playing at the tournaments the big tournaments yeah then i bet you probably just go in and trounce everybody week in week out but i respect the fact that you're trying to mm-hmm. You're trying to mix it up, mix it up, build, right. your, build your own wheel. Right. Exactly. That's, that's the thing too. It's like, if, even if you know what you're doing and you're like, even if you're like adjusting for whatever the top deck is, it's like when you get down to like the very local level, it's like, yeah, maybe people are just having fun this weekend though. Like they're not playing the crazy sure. stuff, you know? And it's like, at that point, maybe you do just play the best deck. Cause then it's just the best deck. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So Absolutely. It's like, it's knowing what the field is going to be. And the thing is, like, if you have a big enough field, then, like, your um, experiments can pay off because, like, maybe you can take a loss here and it's not a big deal. Whereas if you have, like, a small, a r- extremely small pool, like we tend to have at our, our local turnouts, you have, like, eight to ten people. It's like, well, if, some, if you just match bad against weakness, that's just your whole day. <laughs> you that's, that's just, that's just pretty much it. You know, it's not like you can recover from it four games from now. There's only three games total. <laughs> You just gotta. Then you just gotta learn. You just gotta. You just, yeah, you just, you gotta, just gotta crush. You just get, gotta decimate them. Take take away what you can from those from each of those battles. Yeah, and bring it bring it forth. So anyway, what's the Barnum effect? Nice, <laughs> full circle. Full circle. We're back. So um, so th- I thought the Barnum effect was very interesting um because I do think that it it is like a uh, it's a phenomenon that I feel like maybe I have somewhat attempted to scratch the edges of like independently understanding. Um, but the Barnum effect is basically the explanation as to how things like um, horoscopes can be so effective Yeah. or, or things like uh, potentially even like fortune tellers. Um, and oh, hold on. I have a great story about that, but finish. Okay. Okay. Um, but so what, what's interesting about, the Barnum effect. And then it's actually been renamed, um, in, in like clinical psychology as the forer effect, because, um, a professor of psychology went before his students and he gave them all a, um, like a personality assessment to take. And so all the students, like they sat down and they, they all like, you know, diligently went through and they filled it out based on their own personalities and, you know, answered all the questions and whatever. And they submitted their results in order to get, uh, what their personality assessment would be. So, you know, he goes through, he, he reads all the assessments and everything. He hands out all of the, the results to everybody and asks, asks the students to rate how accurate they think the results are. Oh, interesting. So it's like, it's like, how good did I get you? Like, you know, like, did did I hit the nail on the head? Like Like, you're ambitious and you love doing these things and yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, 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 Just general sort of platitudes. Right. Yeah. Like read the results and then on a scale of one to five rank how closely I like nailed your personality. And sure enough, the students were all having these, these moments of like, Oh my gosh, like this is so true. And like, I can never articulate it, but like, this is what I'm feeling. And like, you know, it's, it's almost like when you, um, you discover your Enneagram, which is obviously very similar personality test. It's going to, it's going to deliver you like little, like, you know, things about yourself. I think I see the upcoming twist here. The upcoming twist is, is that, Every single student was given the exact same results. Yeah. yeah so yeah, 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 every yeah, single yeah. student believed based on 
their answers, they were being given this, like this, this score, this result. Yeah. And it's like, in reality, they are, they are things that sound specific, however, are highly relatable to so many different types of people. Mm-hmm. And I think that, and, and that's, that's part of how the Barnum effect works or it's how it's part of how, um, like, like a fortune teller, you might be able to be like, how, like, how are they doing this? Like, how are they pulling it off? How do they know that about my life? Like, right. like they must know. And <clears throat> it's like, the, the truth is, is that like so many of us have right, so many things in common, so many things in common. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so an example, I think of, of one of the characteristics was something along the lines of like, you are not quick to um, like adopt a new belief. You tend to think about it critically for a longer period of time than others or something. And it's like, that's just something that everybody wants to be true about themselves. Right. You know, it's like, it's like, yeah, of course I do. And now you've been told that as a result of your personality test, this expert believes that about you. And you're like, Oh, this is, this is how I hope to be. And now apparently I have confirmation that I am right. Exactly. Yep. Yep. Precisely. Um, and so it's just, I don't know. I, I, I was like, this is, this is very interesting because it, it is, I've experienced it myself, you know, like I've read like, like the, the horoscopes or whatever. And you're like, man, look, look at, it's like, look at it this. does feel like it's right. Yeah. Um, but the other, the other aspect of the Barnum effect is that you will literally just graze over things that don't actually apply to you as if they were just not there at all. Oh, interesting. And so it's almost like as you're reading through, it's sort of like, um, like because these things were true, it must be right now. This one wasn't as true. So just don't forget, don't even worry about that one. Yeah. So it's basically just like a loop and it's, it's just sort of like, um, (laughs) it's it's like extreme confirmation bias about yourself. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It it totally is. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's almost like when they hit the nail on the head with something that is inevitably true about yourself, which is not difficult because if they're listing three to four things, right. Like that you are, value kindness in others. Right. right yes. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's like, you know, it's like 85, 90% of the population believes that, Yeah, you know, but then if there's like one thing that like doesn't typically, you know, it's like, like cleanliness is, is mightily important to you or something. It's like cleanliness might not be important to you. And you could be kind of like, nah, that one's not really that true. But, but you ignore it, you right. know, like it doesn't, it, it doesn't register you as like, a, it doesn't register a red flag in your brain that the other things might not be true. Exactly. Yeah. 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 It's like, cause you want, you want <coughs> the rest of it to be dead on. You know, who was not a fan of this at all? Who? Harry Houdini. <gasps> yeah. I genuinely thought that you were going to jump to someone we knew. No, no, not not not, someone we do. Not the world's most famous magician. He has come up on the podcast before, and I just heard the, like, the most fascinating story about Houdini over the weekend. Okay. And because, you know, I've done several book reports. I'm something of an expert on the topic. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. Fourth, fifth grade. (laughs) That's right. Oh, that's yeah. right. That's right. I honestly, like, be, after, ever since we talked about it, I'm like, maybe I should get like a more adult biography of Houdini and like, like read really it again. Get get to know this get, man. Get to know him. He seems like he's he's inspired a lot of things. But okay, so um, this, if you want the full story, I'm going to break it down. But 
I was listening to a podcast because we were driving back from vacation this past week, and the podcast is called Criminal. Uh, it's one of my favorite podcasts. I almost exclusively listen to it when we go on road trips. So every time there's like you know a nice gap of time between uh, trips, so there's like a good time for a, a new catalog of episodes to be available. Oh, that is nice. Very good routine. Nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely love it. But this one was about um, <clears throat> who? It's always about like unusual kinds of crimes that have been committed or. Something like that. So this one started with the early friendship of Sir Arthur Conan Doyle and Harry Houdini. Sir Arthur Conan Doyle being <coughs> the original author of the Sherlock? Sherlock Holmes, yes. Okay, the creator of Sherlock Holmes. Okay. And so these two were um, uh, at one point friends and they were having um, a vacation together and... Uh, Conan Doyle's wife was really into like mysticism and like seances and like trying to communicate with the dead and stuff like that. Things that Sherlock Holmes seems like he would be like scoffing at. This is the absolute irony of it all, right? Is that like for this is that Sir Arthur Conan Doyle is like fully supportive of his wife. He believes she is totally like. He has drunk the Kool-Aid and is completely in on it. Like, like this is real. This is for sure. Like, it totally works. She can talk to the dead. Like, he's in on it completely. Okay. And um, they go on and talk about how, like, when it comes to, like, fortune tellers and stuff like this, there's typically, like, three kinds or, or so of them. Like, some people who like no, are like knowingly tricking people so and then there's people who like like drink the who like don't they've like tricked themselves into believing that it's true okay kind yep. of thing but so anyway um she invites houdini to come have a reading and she's going to try and communicate with his dead mother who he is very close with or whatever okay and he goes on and they're like friends so he, you know, politely says, like, you know, thank you so much for that. That was, you know, it meant so much to me or whatever. And she's like, apparently the way it went down was that she was like listening to her and she was like writing down the message as it was coming through. And then she hands it to him. And like, there's all these like, you know, mistakes, like in the letter, she's calling him Harry. And she's like, he never called, she never called me Harry and stuff like that. Okay. You know, it wasn't in her hand. It used like different languages. And, you know, it was like, there's all these like giant red flags, which <laughs> apparently Houdini does not suffer the Barnum effect at all. He is, you know, <laughs> which, well, I mean, yeah, <clears throat> if, if you're a, a master showman yeah. in the way that Houdini was, cause I mean, he, that's, he's like an illusionist. He, yeah. he is someone who, um, is in a very intentionally taking something that the person will not look carefully enough at, right? And exploiting that fact for the purposes of show, right? So that's his whole thing is that like he takes it and you know he's just very polite about it, like whatever, you know, great trip, see you guys later. But then later on, uh, some something comes out and he has to like, or someone, someone attacks. Conan Doyle's wife for like being a fraud or whatever. And they're like, no, no Houdini, who everyone knows is like the greatest performer on earth at the time. Sure. Is like, they're like, he loved it. We did it for him. He'll tell you. And he was like, Hmm, well, actually, oh, right. <laughs> and now he's like, ah, well, friend, I don't, mm, I was being polite before, but actually, no, this, uh, this is like, you know, if you go over to, uh, this has actually never happened to me before, but it's just like a general fear of mine, which would be like going over to a friend's house and yeah. they'll, they'll like cook you a meal or something. And you're like, you're like, oh, 
this was so good. My favorite of all time. Right. And then like, you know, every, every time something happens, they're like, Oh, I will bring you that dish that you love. Yeah. They're like, I, I'll bring you more vegetable lasagna. And you're like, Oh God, not more. <laughs> no, not the vegetable I, lasagna. I still haven't digested no. the last batch. Yeah. Right. It's exactly like that. So anyway, Houdini has to like, uh, come clean that he doesn't believe in mysticism and that he saw through every single trick she was doing. Okay. And that not, and like then, you know, apparently this starts basically like a civil war between them or whatever. And it's so funny because Sir Arthur Conan Doyle like writes Sherlock and Sherlock would never fall for this sort of thing. Right. right. And it's yeah. just like, how can you, the creator of like the world's greatest detective ever be like, so fooled by this. I, it's yeah. But right, so, yeah. so anyway, Houdini like takes it super personally, like because his whole thing is that he's a magician. You're right. He's doing it for show. Like he's doing sleight of hand and doing these amazing things on stage every night. But the difference is like everyone knows that they are buying a ticket to come in and to be tricked by him. Like, yeah, they, yeah. There's like a there's like a non-spoken contract like that's what you're coming to do this is for entertainment meanwhile he goes on like an absolute crusade against like fortune tellers everywhere okay and he is like at the end of every one of his shows he's like he'll like just reveals all their tricks you know and he because in his mind like what they're doing is preying on people who are often like mourning the loss of stuff so they're like being taken advantage like their grief is being taken advantage of through use of like like people's wanting to believe in or people like the Barnum effect, I suppose. Well, and see, I mean, there, there's, there is a fine ethical boundary there because it's like, there's that thought of, you know, if you are mourning the loss of somebody and this gives like, whether or not the, the person who is performing this, this ceremony for you is like financially benefiting from it. If, if like you walk away getting to feel like you got to spoke to like a lost loved one again, it's like there's there's not no value in right. that. that. Like that's sort of the thing, right? Like there's not no value in it, but the fact is you absolutely did not talk to them. No, yes. You know? uh, right. No, I know. I, yeah. I'm I'm trying to decide whether or not I agree. I understand the frustration and and I, it does feel like taking advantage. It absolutely does. Right. But there's a part of me that's like, I feel like I can still see the benefit. Mm-hmm. Like I can see how somebody could walk away from this and it's sure. like it, they of course did not actually speak to someone from the great beyond. However, it gave them a sense of closure or something. Exactly. Right. Yeah. 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 Like there's something to that. Yeah. I don't know. There was, there's more to it. If you listen to the whole podcast where like some fortune tellers will show up and like, you know, they'll be in town for a couple of days, but like, before the carnival sets up or whatever, they'll like go to the graveyard and read a bunch of names and they'll like learn stuff in the newspaper and get like town stories so that they can be like extra compelling and convincing and stuff. Whoa. So this was the crazy thing is that Houdini created this like secret task force of people to go into cities before his act got there to go to the fortune teller, learn all their tricks because they're all like working for Houdini and they can see right through everything. Sure. And then yeah. he would get on stage and call them out by name and be like, these people are doing this. Do not go there. It was. I mean, I mean it, was, it is insane. I was like, this is the this is one of the greatest stories I've ever heard. Like Sherlock versus Houdini, where Houdini's actually being Sherlock to take down. Whoa. Like, I know it was. It was so. I definitely go listen to the episode. It's so compelling. This is going to be a movie. Ah, <clears throat> uh, it. I mean, there's got to be. There's got to be a Houdini movie. If it, there's not, there should be. There should be. Yeah, there's got to be. Although Ben, you know what? Speaking of magicians and 
fun facts about people. You know who we should give a fun fact about? Who you got? Abe Lincoln. Was he a magician? <laughs> well, in the last episode, or last two episodes, we recorded a couple last week. I believe we talked about, wouldn't it be funny if Abe Lincoln invented the uh, pulling a rabbit out of your top hat? Yes. Did he? <laughs> well, as ever with Lincoln, the more we try to make up the ridiculous, it's always with a kernel of truth because the man was just su- such a such a an enigma. He did so many things. He did so many things. He did so many he things. Oo- he oozed <clears throat> talent. He oozed talent in a way that most of us can only dream of. I mean, he was six four and a world <laughs> champion wrestler, apparently. Quite the grappler. Anyway. <laughs> Anyway, what's crazy? He didn't invent pulling a rabbit out of your hat. Okay. However, um, after the death of one of his sons, which was like really public and super tragic, he died of typhoid, um, people from around the country were mourning the loss of one of the members of the first family, and they sent him all sorts of stuff and get well cards and things, and amongst the items were a pair of white rabbits which he personally wrote a thank you card for and sent back to the person. And then at one point, there was a fire, I think, happening. I don't know if it was in the White House or wherever, but at his home. And he rushes in to save the rabbits. No way. Lincoln goes in, (laughs) saves the rabbits. Rabbit saver. Rabbit saver. He also tried to save the horses in the stables, but apparently couldn't couldn't get through. So that didn't work out as well. But nonetheless, I mean, Lincoln owned white rabbits. Wow. And a top hat. Like so. somewhat famously. Somewhat famously. Yes. So. Okay. I mean, we, uh, you know, we're at it again. This is like one of those things where it's like the pieces of the puzzle are laying on the table and it's like, do they fit together? Well, it's up to you to decide. You can't make up something about Lincoln. It's all I'm learning. <laughs> without it sort of being true. Without it sort of being true. Yeah. <laughs> He's famous for his top hat and had <clears throat> two white rabbits. And had two white rabbits. You know, if he was good at sleight of hand, it wouldn't have surprised me. <laughs> right. Right. You know, man, we, me at all. I feel like now it would actually be extremely fun to make a fictional series about just like an, like an absolutely charismatic Abe Lincoln that is just not really factually based, but it's just like, you just get to watch Lincoln just be like the coolest cat that ever did exist. Right. He's you like know? President Lincoln, but he's just traveling around the country, just like solving problems town to town, door yes. to door. Yes. Like yeah. just like just like doing cool just stuff. Like doing things. He's just like, I'm just fixing the country, man. <laughs> just just doing it. Just doing it. Because I mean you could just imagine him going to like a you know like a small town bar and like a fight breaks out and he goes out there and breaks it up with this right his, his wrestling skills. Right. He's like now listen here. Yeah. Jumps I want off. y'all to shake hands and apologize jazz or else or else you gotta get go. mary todd in here yeah yeah <laughs> oh man classic lincoln classic lincoln i'm telling you okay well, i'm telling you as long as we're on segments then how about a uh, a corny joke because well, I, I do have one please okay okay well it's more of a riddle it's more uh, of a riddle ooh, yeah, okay. yeah okay okay what has a head and a tail but no body a head and a tail but no body. I'm a nobody. <laughs> Get it? It sounds like a coin. It's a coin. It's a coin. It's a coin. Yeah. Because it got heads and heads tails. And tails. You yeah. know who's on a coin? Lincoln. Lincoln. <laughs> anyway. Classic Lincoln. Yeah.
That's amazing. Popcorn culture is supported by Arena Club. Okay, so you guys know that I love trading card games and that me and Ben are big time collectors of Pokemon cards. You know, it's that childhood fantasy of finally being able to use adult money to buy those highly coveted rares of our youth. And like even in our office, we have not one, but two full display cases with some of our all time favorite rarest cards that we've pulled. But something I did not know existed when I was a kid in my youth was the grading process for trading cards or sports cards or whatever you're collecting. You know, to me, it was just like a rare Charizard is a rare Charizard. Like it doesn't, doesn't matter if it's been hanging out in my pocket with my lucky paper clip. Turns out it does matter and kind of a lot because if you get your cards professionally graded, it can add huge value. And then not only that, but once they're graded, they will like seal them in that pristine condition inside of a plastic case or what's known in the industry as a slab. And that's where Arena Club steps in because it's like buying a booster pack, but it's for a pre-graded card. Now, I know that can take like maybe a second to wrap your head around because you're opening physical cards on a digital platform, which means you open the pack online and see your polls where they can be added to your showroom for the world to see. But you can also request them to be sent to you at any time. So they have got a ton of pre graded cards and then you will get to randomly open one and then they'll keep it for you or they can send it to you or you can just like sell it or trade it online or whatever you want to do. But whether you're buying, selling, trading or displaying, Arena Club is the card collecting platform you have got to check out. And right now you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash pop pop, which wow, that is a crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's like $40 right there. Anyway, that's arenaclub.com slash pop pop for 10% off your first purchase. Popcorn Culture is sponsored by Shopify. Y'all are likely aware of the fact that we have our very own Shopify store, Carlin Brothers Mercantile. And it's hard to imagine not having it now, but arriving at the decision to open our own web store was a big one. In fact, we started our journey on the interweb back in 2012 and didn't finally open up shop until 2018. And a huge part of that is just not knowing where to start, but that's where Shopify steps in. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business, which is a fancy way of saying it's a really easy and effective way to start an online business, no matter if you're operating out of your garage or have like a whole building or three or something. Once we were set up, our biggest concern was trying a new product only to discover no one was interested in it. But Shopify is powered with so many reports, more than you can even imagine. And this is so handy because it allows us to use data to better provide what folks are actually interested in. It's so easy to use, but even if you do find yourself caught in a jam, Shopify Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Sign up for a $1 per month trial at shopify.com slash pop pop. That's all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash pop pop now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash pop pop. Okay, um, <laughs> moving on. There is a note you have here in... The show notes yeah. that, I, that I'm dying to know oh, yeah. what it means. Okay. Okay. So last week, um, part of the reason that we needed to record the pop so in advance for previous episodes uh, is because we were, we, we take 
Super Carlin Brothers as a company takes the middle week of the year off. Yep. So that we can just have like a like a a, uh, a team wide reprieve, you know, for some recovery and stuff. Yeah. Um, but the days leading up to that, as it turned out, uh, which continuously seems to be the case is that every time we have like a vacation or something planned, we have a work trip that literally like resides like the two to three days prior to it. So it's like, right. It's like in three days time I am on vacation, but until then I'm here doing work, right. um, which usually <laughs> the good news for us is that whenever we go on work trips is that they're almost always a blast. Yeah, that's um, true. No but, exception here. Yeah. But, yeah. but so um, in the past, uh, I don't know, t- t- 10 days or so, we were in Austin, Texas for an event uh, called RTX. Yes, we were like Rooster Teeth Con. <laughs> Rooster Teeth Con. Um, that whatever X stands for. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I think we had a lot of fun in Austin, but you wrote down something on the show notes that says an odd thing I observed about Texas, Ben. It is. Yeah. I was noticing this whilst we were in Texas together and I was like, I'm going to, you know what? I'm going to write it down right now. I'll bring it up on the pop. It'll be great. What is Texas Ben? Well, I'm dying to know. Just Ben in Texas, basically. No, well, I mean, I get that. I get that. But <coughs> yeah. I mean, like, I didn't have like a hat. No, you didn't. <laughs> you <Yeah>. know? Like, <laughs> the thing it is about Texas Ben is that he was wearing a cowboy hat the whole time. <laughs> did not expect didn't it. Even, Stepped uh, off the airplane and it was just, I turned around and was like, where did that come <laughs> yeah, from? Like, did you bring that? No. Um, partner. This was, this was something I observed it like once and I was like, well, okay, that could be explainable. But then it happened like two or three more times and I was like, this is like, a, I've never seen this before. So it was like an actual pattern of behavior that seemed like unique to this trip. Interesting. Yes. I'm, can you, do you have any idea? Was it my <clears throat> willingness to participate in things? No. Okay. Because I know that I did try to pick a lock while I was there. You did. You at, did do that at, successfully. At a booth. Not like, you know, <laughs> yeah, like, uh, <laughs> there was a booth that had a lock picking kit. And we, I just was not, like, we just saw this business. It was closed for the day. <laughs> ben is like, I'm getting in there. I'll be in that building. In, I'm going to Houdini myself in there. <laughs> Houdini. Yeah. Um, there's a, a moment where one of the, what are the little, the, the guys, on Tatooine. Jawas. Jawas. Yeah. I swear there is a moment where one of them says Houdini. Houdini. Yeah, Houdini. you're right. Houdini. Houdini. Yeah. yeah um, did anybody good. else hear that or was it just me growing up? Because probably at the time that I was watching Star Wars for the first time ever is when you would have been old enough that you've been doing your Houdini book report. So. Yeah. Which time? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, tell me more about Texas Band. <clears throat> I'm, I'm like racking my brain trying to think about things that I would have done that was different. Dude, it's gonna blow your mind. Oh, All right, right. It's, it, it's not even that <clears throat> super profound or anything. Texas Ben ate food quickly. Whoa! Yes, Ben. If you if you've ever eaten more than one meal with Ben, something that will stand out to you, and even to himself at this point, is that Ben is a very very slow eater. It's true. Yeah, it's true. I I, I look, I'm part of me is legitimately convinced that it's the reason that I tend to be like thin. Yeah. Like, 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 uh, like gangly <coughs> mm-hmm. as it were. Yeah. Um, is, I, is because, and I don't even know if this is true. Someone told me once upon a time that your stomach has an attention span of like 18 minutes. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like, if you eat slowly, which I can't even tell you is on purpose. I just have like connected these pieces of information, but if you eat slowly, then your stomach will get full or bored. And, 
at that point in time, we'll be like, nah, I'm good. You don't need anything else. Right. Um, and this is like almost like why you can't eat potato chips before dinner because it will spoil your appetite, you know? And it's like, it's like, did two, yeah, did a handful of potato chips really spoil it? And it's like, no, but it got your stomach thinking it's time to eat. Right, exactly. And then 18 minutes later, it's like, I guess we're full now. I guess we're full now. So right. when it takes me <clears throat> 18 minutes to eat like three tacos, you know, it's like, then I'm just full. Then, just then, full. I, then I don't overeat, I guess. Um, but so now I'm trying to think of, okay, so I... Hmm. What did I eat quickly? I mean, every meal, every meal, every meal. It was like really standing out to me because I was just like, like normally what happens is that I will finish my food and then I'll just sort of be like, I'll look down at your plate and be like, oh my gosh, Ben has eaten nothing. This is like, I, ate I also talk so fast. This is, this is ridiculous. But like the entire time we were in Texas, like you were just eating at what felt like a totally normal speed. And like, <laughs> like we were finishing meals at the same time. I was like, ben, I was just like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, Ben loves Texas food. There's no way around it. It's He's fun. eating food at a speed I've never seen before. It's probably true yeah. though. It's probably true because we we had we had like um uh what were the tacos? How would you describe? They were like breakfast tacos. Oh yeah, we did have the breakfast tacos. We had breakfast yeah. tacos and um we went to we, a barbecue place. Terry Blacks. Terry Blacks. Yes, go there. We, okay, I have to tell you that I was so I was so glad and relieved because when when like when we landed in Texas, the folks that picked us up, they were like explaining to us like, you know, like, oh, like you got to eat barbecue while you're here because this is like, you know, barbecue country. This is like where it was invented. You know, it's like the yeah. oldest barbecue places in the country are here. Um, and so like then, of course, it's like, OK, well, we got to find barbecue because I like barbecue anyway. And um, we I'm like poking around trying to find like places that have like good reviews or whatever. We end up at a place called Terry Black's and I'm like, I guarantee I just stumbled us into like the total tourist trap. Right. Yeah, of, like, Oh no, this is going to be like, just like mission barbecue in Texas. Exactly. Yeah. <clears throat> and, but then I was so glad because like everybody we told, they were like, oh, I was like, yeah, we got barbecue. I'm like, where'd you go? And I was like, Terry Black's They're like, Whoa, you got in. And I was like, yes, 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 yes we got in. All right. We did it. And it was delicious. We got the brisket. Yeah, I got, I got the brisket. brisket. I would get the brisket. I got the sausage as well, but I'd get the brisket. That yeah. was better. Yeah, yeah it was super yeah. good. Um, this is interesting. I'm trying to think of what else we ate while we were there, though. Uh, mm, but let's see, we went to lunch that first day at Caroline's. Something no, like yeah, that. Yeah. yeah. I forget okay. what you got there. Regular burger. Regular burger. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, just regular burger. Anyway, okay, okay. This is fascinating. Maybe I just, I don't know, maybe I just felt... It was just my food. Just your food? It was just you think my it was food just scene. really good food? I think it was just my food scene. There yeah. are there are certain things that oh, I Oh, we eat. had the chicken and waffles the one night. Oh, I feel like I ate chicken and waffles in a way that upset you. Oh, well, I did also put on here the proper way to eat chicken and waffles in the show notes. <laughs> was it because I ate it the improper way? I suppose. Well, I figured maybe we could discuss it and have the kernels, the little kernels, uh, weigh in as well. Okay. But I believe your just wild off the cuff way of eating chicken and waffles was to eat the two entities as if they existed on separate plates or something. So I ate all the chicken and then I ate all the waffles. Yes. <laughs> Instead of yeah. eating chicken and waffles. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So to me, the way to eat chicken and waffles is you, they're on the same plate and that's the name of the dish. And uh, typically I like to put some syrup on the waffles and then I like to get a bite of 
waffle and a bite of chicken on my fork for every bite. I don't disagree <clears throat> that this is the way to eat chicken and waffles. Okay. I, I feel like I feel like there's there is like an art form to delivering the perfect chicken and waffle, which is to have the ch- like I felt like the chicken that we had was like large pieces and then like the waffles were almost like lined up or something. But like you need to have it so that it's easy to get everything in like one scoop of the old fork ski. Well, it didn't stop me. <laughs> well, you're committed. <laughs> I, mean, I, mean, I mean, yeah, it was like, you know, there was, there was a barrier there that you had to overcome, which mm-hmm. was like some assembly required. And I feel like a good chicken and waffle. It's just like, it's just the, what well, I mean, for, let me, let me rephrase. It was delicious. Yeah, it was good. Um, however, I just feel like the execution of the chicken and waffle, it's like, it's like a subtle art form of, of proportions and sizing. Mm-hmm. It's like, it needs to be, such that it is not a challenge to get all of that in one go. Mm-hmm. And if anything, I actually, one of my favorite places at Disney world to eat is sleepy hollow. Oh yeah. In magic kingdom in magic kingdom. It's yeah. like, it's like, if you're looking at the castle, I think it's like just to the left side of the castle. Yes, right? it is. Right. Yep. Yeah. And, um, on your way to like the hall of presidents. Yeah. And so, but when they serve chicken and waffles, they almost give you the waffle as like a, like a taco shell. Uh, yeah, yeah, precisely. And then the chicken's on it. And <coughs> then you have no it. choice. And it's like, then you, it's like, this is just, this is how you would eat it. You wouldn't separate them then. I mean, that would, you'd be like going through like massive effort. Yeah. You have to like physically like take them apart. <laughs> this, this, I would have had to physically put them together. Yeah. Goodness I mean, me. I don't know. They're on the same plate. <laughs> Listen, Jay. Yeah. Not, not everything is going to be easily executed Mm -hmm. yeah okay the other place we ate that i feel like was was really good was that like mexican tapas place the last night yes suerte suerte yes i was never gonna remember that ever it was so good it was if you're if you're in austin texas suerte crushing it really good oh you know what suerte proved to me though as did my lunch today what's that the popular ben if i could buy stock in this then I would. I, maybe you can, and I just don't know how I'd like to say. If someone was like, can you go buy some stocks for me? I'd be like, yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, people do it every day, but people like, do can it. I do it Can every I day? do it? Mm, anyway, here's, let me, prediction alert, Ben. Okay, prediction. This, this food is trending upwards in tremendous popularity right now. Are you ready? Yep. Pistachios. Wow. You went there. I did. Yeah. Everywhere. I I don't think you're wrong. It does feel like pistachios are like showing up. They're like the new, they're like the new like avocado. Yeah. If you will, except they're also green. Also green. They're like crunchy avocados. Yeah. Super tasty. I mean, I've had more pistachios served to me in random dishes in the past like two weeks than I have in the last like two years. Like they are on the scene right now. And as far I looked it up, I was like, are they like just in season right now? It's like, no, no, not yet. Not yet. Later in the year, they'll be in season. People are just like the, uh, the pistachio train is moving forward. Big, big pistachio. <clears throat> if you can like... invest in big pistache, get in there. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. That, that must be doable. Like this is, this is like one of those things where like people talk like lately about how like lumber prices are particularly high Yeah, and lumber is a commodity, which means that for the most part, you tend not to think of it as like buying from a, 
uh, a specific vendor as being superior to a different vendor. It's like the vendors who sell lumber are all generally agreed upon to be about the same. This is also true for like gasoline. Mm -hmm. Like you might have your favorite gas station that you go to, but for the most part, we tend to think of gasoline as like whether or not it comes from this pump or that pump. It's pretty much the same thing. Your car continues to run. Right. You know, like, and I'm sure that there's someone out there right now who's like scoffing and being yeah, like, like, I need, I, there's a giant Reddit post I'm about to school yeah, you on, friend. To, to tag you in. Ethanol free. Um, that's what grandpa always tells me. Oh, okay. I have to put ethanol free fuel into my boat. Into the boat? Into the boat. Gotcha. Yeah. Makes, makes a big difference, apparently. Less separation and then freezing the water lines. Or I don't know, something you know, like that. You the stable. You know. Yeah. Anyway, but so I think that pistachios might fall <clears throat> into this column where it's almost like they are sold as, like, let's say it's by the pound or kilogram or something like that. Um, the thinking would be that if you could buy into pistachios, what do you even have? Do you have, like, a stock, a share? Like, I don't know. This is what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know how you buy into pistachios, but um, you know, if someone could direct me on how to do that, I could probably Google it, but I'd rather do it this way. I'll just <laughs> wait until Friday when the episode drops, and then hopefully someone will be helpful on like Reddit or Twitter or something. Or email us at popcornculturepot at gmail.com. Also that. That yeah. could be good. Maybe if you want to leave it in a, like a solid five-star review, that would be a good spot to tell me, too. <laughs> yeah. Like, five-star <laughs> review, love these guys. Also, pistachios, here's how to invest. Exactly. <laughs> Let me get in on that. Yeah. Yeah. Who who are who who at the root of it are like are are the owners of pistachios? Mm, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> certainly, certainly the answer exists out there. Okay. So um Jay, another thing that I have for you is that uh you know how I like psych- psychological terms. Of course. Right. And you know how I like to uh self-assess myself and <laughs> look deep inside i'm try, familiar with it try to try to fundamentally I s- understand i mean i sit in this chair every week you every know? Week, yeah, <laughs> week in week out here we are one of these things one of these days ben will finally figure himself out and just be over that'll be, be it. it'll be over for good no, you think so is that like your goal like you're gonna figure it out and be like that's it i got it that the problem is about what i'm about to tell you is that i don't think i, I don't think it exists oh, i don't think no. it, i don't think there can, i don't think it can be over because <clears throat> It's like, I think that there, I've had so many like big breakthroughs where like I've realized that like I, I tend to do a certain behavior or, or something has like become a problem for me, or I've just found a term that like really well describes like the way that like I exist within the world. Yeah. Like I, my, you know, discovering like I was like a people pleaser was like a huge, like, Whoa, okay. Uh. <laughs> I'm starting to realize how much this has affected like every aspect of my life or are you just a victim of the barnum effect and maybe you're not a people pleaser whoa interesting not to shatter your whole self-image or anything i know no, no, no. <laughs> i had to start back over Restart. again i know okay so i would tell you that i think that one of my biggest goals in life is to find the eternal cure for boredom mm-hmm. because for me being bored is like being set on fire <laughs> like it is my least favorite <clears throat> thing i bet being set on fire would be a pretty eternal cure for boredom because i bet you wouldn't be bored for the rest of your life <laughs> <laughs> <That> is, <laughs> which would be short <laughs> that is true 
<laughs> anyway. It's true. Continue. Anyway, the thing is, though, is that despite the fact that I absolutely hate boredom, I don't think I'm nearly as good at entertaining myself as, like, you are. Mm, yes. Like, I, I feel like, you know, like, we'll we'll get, like, on a plane or whatever, and I feel like you'll immediately, like, talk, all right, time to time to hop on board to the, the in-flight media center and watch a couple of movies and I get stuff done man you know do, do this is my time right I know I know uh, even at home though if like if you've got like a, like a free window you're like video games I'm in or I'm gonna go play some some Pokemon TCG that's exactly what I did yesterday man I had such a great such a fantastic win yesterday I was playing Jolteon I was playing er, I was playing Jolteon I was Suicune they, I mean, I should have lost. I'm playing against weakness, right? Lightning oh, yeah, hits obviously. into water, no right. problem. Yeah. This guy, the problem with Jolteon is that even if you hit weakness, you're only hitting for 200. Suicune has 210 HP. So you survive their attack, which is fantastic. Uh, I hit him with the double enthusiastic dance on the Ludicolos. One shot him. Boom. Oh, it was so great. I was so happy. Was Nothing like, you just said made sense to I me. I had a but, feeling it didn't. But, but like, <laughs> I'm so proud. Yeah, thank you. Good thank for you, you, man. It was really good. Playing that playing that weakness. Yeah. No, yeah. I played against weakness. Overcame weakness, Ben. I almost had it. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, so I, I think that forever I have tried to find a way to ensure that I will just never have to be bored again. But like what I will do in the name of never being bored again is basically starting so many different projects that occasionally sometimes usually go unfinished, you know? So it's like, it's like, I love new ideas so much because they, they hold so much potential, you know, when it's like, Ooh, like a new idea. Like this is, this is so fun. But so what I have discovered is the term called possibility clutter Uh and it's a, it's a common ADHD trait and it's basically this idea that like you will collect possibilities because they are. And so it's like that, that's like what a bunch of like unfinished projects end up being or it's why like an idea is always worth pursuing because it's like it's possible that i could do this but when will i do it right and so i think that this happens to me like i I will start like project after project or or have like 10 lines in the water on things that like i could be doing all the time right um but then it's also the case that like my brain can never stop on the quest. So it's like, I can never just look, I can never stop trying to think of new things and just go and solve all of the existing things. Because I also feel like there's some fear. Like if I solve all of them, then I will be bored. No, then you won't have anything to do. <laughs> then I won't have anything to do. Right. So like, I almost feel like I leave a whole bunch of these like doors, like kind of open into like a whole bunch of different directions just in case. Does the act of not finishing them though, then create like guilt or anything? Guilt and anxiety. Ah, I see. A- absolutely. It is not a good thing. So either, so this here, here's the problem though, is that you have anxiety on both ends of this. I know. Right. You're afraid of being bored because that'll create anxiety, but the act of not completing the projects also creates anxiety. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds like a vicious circle. <laughs> Thank you for recognizing the, one, the, the problem. One, the single activity you need to actually stop doing rather than all the activities you actually stop doing 
is trying to think of new activities. I know. Yeah. I know. Okay. Yeah. But like new activities always hold so much new potential, don't they? Well, like there's so much possibility. It doesn't sound like they do though for you. Promise. Yeah. No, I know. I mean, like this is like one of those things where if you can like take 10 steps backwards and look at it rationally, which I can't do, (laughs) (laughs) then, then it's like the proof is in the pudding. It's all there. I mean, it's like, like you can just read it and be like, Oh, okay. This makes sense. I should stop doing that. But I can't. Right. It is difficult. It is difficult. Yeah. So anyway, <clears throat> but but that being said, it is one of those things where um, like this this summer <clears throat> I tried to like put like a whole bunch of effort into like my gardening. And so I have tried to like make it a point that like every single time I like get bored at home or if like I have a few minutes or if I'm like waiting on something, then I will go out and like pull weeds. Oh, that's a good one. It is a good one. And yeah. it, so it's very cathartic. Very never um, ending. And it's very never ending. So I'm, th- that is the current method at which I am attempting to stick to my existing like uh, lines or, or doors that are open instead of instead of finding new lines and doors. Well, that is pretty good. I, I like know. that. I know. I can tell you that. I'll give you a sunflower update. They're all dead. They're all dead. Sad. Totally. What do you mean they're I'm, all dead? They're all dead. I lost the war, Ben. <laughs> Bazooka Jack has officially defeated me this season. They're all dead. How? How de- basically because we went on vacation and um, like I had been pretty good about trying to spray some like repellent and stuff, but like we had a vacation mixed with tons of rain, which just washes away the repellent over oh, enough time. Sure. So then we weren't there to reapply. Gone for you know uh, about six or seven days. Gone. All just just came back to tragedy. To just the most mournful looking sunflowers. <sighs> no good. That, I'm so I, mad. I'm so sorry. So I'm like, I'm already planning next season. I'm like, what am I gonna am I gonna have to like build a gate? Am I gonna get some sort of like like sonar or like some sort of like sonic beeping device to like scare stuff away? I don't know. We're gonna have to figure it out. What what if like what if your quest for sunflowers uncovers something else within you? Like what happens if you go out there and you build like a small like picketed fence or something and you yeah. discover that like building fences is like your passion? Well, that'd be great, you know? And you know what like, I say, Ben? Build walls. <laughs> <laughs> That's a terrible motto. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> no, yeah, don't do that. <laughs> man. Oh, man. Well, I'm sorry to hear about your sunflowers. Well, on, okay. the, on the flip end of things, um, I don't know if I've talked about this in the pop or not, but it is a thing that has happened, which is that last fall... Alice and I had um, a whole bunch of like gourds and pumpkins and such on our front stoop. Yeah. Have I told the story at all yet? I don't think so. Okay. So we, I mean, just typical decorations like mums, the type of fall looking things that you put on your front stairs to make it look, you know, festive and and part of the season and everything. Right. Yeah. The cornucopia. Exactly. And um, we have like a local market that we like to go to that sells all of the unusually shaped pumpkins and squashes and in the sort. And so last year we're like, let's just go all out and get like a huge variety of different things. And then Addison was born <coughs> on October 26th, which was like sort of right at that tail end of when this type of stuff is out there. And so we got home and they just like rotted on the oh, front stoop. No, you know, they just like turned into like no. This is the like the rotting pumpkin problem is a real problem because like if you just throw it out on time, no problem. Yeah, no big deal. But if you if you let it go, like no one wants to touch a rotting pumpkin. It's like gross. I know it's not the best. It's like soup. It <laughs> is. It's that you're like. 
I'm going to have to, like, have you ever accidentally left, like, a bag of celery or something in the in the vegetable bin for too long, or, like, a cucumber, and you go to, like, grab it, and it's just, like, complete... <laughs> <laughs> It is like it makes me watch just complete sponges. You know, <laughs> it's just pure squish. It is pure like this is the exact opposite texture. This should be. Yeah, yeah, it's very unfortunate. <clears throat> and so anyway, last year what I did was I used a shovel. Eventually, when yeah. I got around to uh, cleaning up my front my front porch, and I dumped it into my compost heap, um, which is just sort of like a. It, I call it a compost heap. Really, what it has been at my house for the past six years is just where all of the like organic crap goes yeah yeah i think it's the right word which i mean and the thing is it's like i have accidentally been creating compost yeah but but definitely not intentionally okay um but so as a result for years and years like whenever i like clip my grass um i bag it and i've always dumped the grass clippings over there same thing i've I've always had like this is where like all the organic matter and stuff goes and I dumped all the pumpkin remains over there. And earlier this year, it's like all right next to my garden. And so earlier this year, I see this plant come out of the ground. That's like really beautiful. And I was like, what is that? You know? Cause it's like, that doesn't look like a weed. It doesn't look like a weed. That looks like a real plant. Yeah. And it's just one, one plant. Yeah. And, so I have an app on my phone. We've talked about it before called uh, Seek. And so I identified the plant. Turns out that it's a type of squash of which I'm unsure because I had bought so many unusually shaped gourds and pumpkins yeah. last year. So it could be any of those. <clears throat> right. Dude, this thing has absolutely exploded. If this one vine doesn't deliver me like like 50 pumpkins I will be shocked. Dude, I've I've been to your house and I have seen the plant in question and it is huge. It is like comically and hilariously large. Yeah, it's big. Yeah. So I am like And it's right next to your garden, so it looks very intentional. It does. <laughs> yeah. Know, which which worked out. Happy accident. But so I think what's happening is that all of those years of accidentally composting grass clippings and, and whatever, you know, materials I've picked up from my yard, leaves and stuff, I think it's just made it's perfectly fertile soil well yeah it's that's what it sounds like yeah <laughs> you it, accidentally created this like super fertile environment for your previously rotted pumpkins to erupt into existence yes and i'm just blown away because it is one it is one vine but it is i mean to, literally to say that there are not 200 feet of vines total i mean it doesn't travel 200 feet but from one epicenter if it goes in like 15 different directions i bet the total distance of vine growth is is at 200 feet that's outrageous i know it is and now i'm so i'm so i'm so excited because i have just no idea when are they going to start turning into gourds what are they going to turn into gourds and what type of gourds will they be right I could be crazy. I'm very excited to see it. I know. I know. Maybe we'll just come. Maybe me. Maybe the boys will come get their pumpkins from Uncle Ben <gasps> this year. Could it be? I hope so. <laughs> We're going pumpkin picking, boys. You pick from one of these six in Uncle Ben's in driveway. Uncle Ben's driveway. <laughs> That's right. Next to the boat. Next to the boat. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, how great! How great. Ben, can I read you some numbers? Oh, I'd be offended if you didn't. No. Oh, well, all right. Okay, I guess I will. All right. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. 60, 51, 42, 58, 48, 49, 60 again, 48 again, 54, 49, and you're going to like this one, 36. <gasps> My favorite number. 
Transition. Okay, Ben. So you talked about um, your brain having possibility clutter. Yes. Yeah. Okay. My house has just clutter, clutter, Cl- just oh, like regular, like clutter. standard clutter. Yeah. And so yesterday <laughs> I was in, I was bored and I was in need of something to do. Oh man. <laughs> did you consider setting yourself on fire briefly? I, I did not <laughs> consider setting myself on fire. But this is my, my problem is that like, you're right. I'm very good at entertaining myself. There'll be something I very badly want to do. It's like, I really want to go like play some Pokemon right now. But then there'll also be like a, but then I'm not really being that productive and I feel like I'm having fun and that will make me feel guilty or something. Okay. Anyway, yeah, I get that. so I was like, yeah, here's what I'll do. I need to do something productive first. That way I can justify the fun as if taking care of the kids all day prior to this moment of free time wasn't productive. Sure. You know, <laughs> anyway, in my house and I'm sure every home everywhere has this, there is uh, like a closet or like a set of shelves somewhere where all of the leftover supplies from projects done to the house by the people who used to live there live. Oh, I have one of these that has like all the various paint right? cans. Various paint cans, stuff like that. The the exact wood finish or whatever it oh, is. Oh, like a spare tile or spare two. T- yeah, what a, yeah, spare mm. tile or two. A couple of carpet samples. Yeah. You know, you know the likes. I do know the likes. <clears throat> it's a good point. And it's, yeah, you, you said that and I was like, does every house have this? And it's definitely one of those things where like it makes so much sense that they stay with the house. Right. Because chances i mean if anything it's even possible that they're trying to do you the new home 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 owner a favor by providing Cer- like, that information certainly that's how it will be spun in every single capacity of the word i had it in my last house i have it at this house um anyway this exists in a closet in my basement and the problem with this particular kind of clutter is that it was not your clutter to begin with right whereas like you excuse me you know how to make decisions about clutter you own but you don't necessarily know what the story is behind this because the people before you decided this was worth keeping for at at some point yeah for a reason not only that they felt like you you might need it so we'll leave it for you yeah as a favor and typically when you're moving into the house um, you have, of course, only lived there for about like, you know, 20 minutes or so, whereas they lived there for like two decades. So probably they knew more about the kind of things that should be kept on hand in the house than you uh-huh. so far. Yeah. Now, that being said, at, my, at the, the last house before we moved into my current house, all these things were there. And I was like, it's so nice. Now, if we ever need to repaint something, like we'll just have the paints right here. And I can tell you, never touched a single paint can down there. Never touched a single thing left for me by the previous owner. Left it all there when I, when I moved. <laughs> so it's still there. So it's now, still there. Now the new owners are probably <clears throat> like, well, they must have thought that this was really important for yeah. some reason. In reality, you were like, the opposite <clears throat> is true. And so, and now, like, the other thing is that it's, it occupies the space of the house that is, like, largely just, like, pretty unoccupiable, you know? Okay. Yeah. It's like there's this little closet in my basement, and it's like there's this little shelf with some extra pantry items we have here, and then there's, like, a maybe, like, five foot by two foot rectangle where all that stuff is. Okay. All that stuff. So it's like, it's just, like, you know, unfinished can't really, it, it would otherwise just be more storage for me. Sure. Right. And so I've sought so many times, every time I open that closet, though, I look over and I'm like, there's all that stuff over there and I hate it. You know, and it's all the stuff you would think it's like hardware from the blinds. And it's like a, an old framed picture, a, a literal, just a piece of a two by four, you know, you know just piece of wood, piece of wood, piece yeah. of wood. There's some carpet in there. It's just like all the stuff. And I'm like, 
I want to get rid of it. But then every time I go to think like I need to clean this space out, I'm like, but what do I even gain by cleaning it out? Like t- 10 square foot of storage or something like nothing, but it bothers me. So then I'm also like, well, if I'm cleaning stuff out, I may as well clean out clutter from a space I could realistically use, you know, like my storage room where I've got a bunch of like old yearbooks and old toys and stuff like get rid of that stuff you ever leave through those old yearbooks <laughs> not really no no not really a thing it's like it's one of the yearbooks I, that could be a whole different discussion okay. it's like it, it sounds fun to me for like my kids to be able to like look through them or something yeah but still that sounds like mm, like 10 minutes one day six years from now ever like, ever hey, here's right. a picture of me in seventh grade <laughs> right that's that that's that <laughs> So like, even that is like, it pains me. But so yesterday I was like, Beth, I'm going to clean out that stuff right now. And even as I was doing it though, it's like, there's, there's part of me that's like, it's because it's not your clutter. It just feels like, what if there's something I don't know about this clutter? Mm. Like, you know, like I'm throwing out these, just these long, what looks like corner segments that must've gone somewhere in the house. And I'm like, I'm just going to put these out for bulk pickup, which comes later this week. But like part of me is like convinced that like a year from now some terrible accident will befall my home and the contractor will come out and be like yeah we need to call the original builders of the home because that yeah sometimes they leave parts behind or something and they'll call them up and they'll be like yeah so we this we we expected something like this might happen 20 to 25 years down the line so in actually in the, the basement closet, I don't know if you kept them or not, but there's these pieces uh, we that have, look have, like this. We have it right here in our notes. We have it right those here. Those 10 square feet is where we left them. square feet. We put them in every house in the neighborhood, um, maybe. It looks like, mm, and the thing is, you know what? If you have them, it's, it's like it's not a problem at all. I have the blueprints right here. I have the only copy of the blueprints, by the way, because... Uh, yeah, that's just how it is. This is the made up scenario in my brain. Yep. yep, yep, <laughs> yep. Like, if you have it, nope. I can send a guy over. I can fix it in 20 minutes from now. Where do you? Yeah, I know exactly where you live. We're talking about your house. Yeah, 20 minutes. I won't even charge you for it. Now, now if you don't have it, I'm afraid to inform you that uh, the, those particular pieces were only. Uh, manufactured for about one hour one day in a factory in China in like 1997 and that uh, factory doesn't exist anymore so it's a really complicated piece if you had it it'd be great if you don't I got my I got a buddy sloppy Joe <laughs> he could <laughs> he can make it for you it's made out of a pretty unique metal though and it's like probably I don't know one to 27 weeks on when he can get the metal in and then it's a custom job it might take him anywhere from one to seven years to get it done in the meantime I can patch it for you but that's gonna I mean, that's going to probably take – my boys are pretty tied up right now with some other projects, so maybe they can get there in like 20 weeks. How you know? do you know all of the contractor excuses in the book know, off the top I of your know. head? Like this you, is like – You just listed like, what if, all of them. I know. I, it's like, like if I just leave this in my closet, that can't happen. But if I throw it out, there might be – you know, like this is what's going to happen. And they're gonna be like, it's really – I wish you just kept that, that one – that one part, because it'd be so easy to fix. In the meantime, this is going to cost you, I don't know, um, looking like anywhere between $10 million, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and you're like, yeah. and it's like, yeah, you, 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 I know what you're thinking. Like, is it even worth it? And the problem is you, you won't be able to sell the house because this will continue to be a problem. Yeah. But if you don't fix it, your house is literally going to be swallowed by the earth. So 
Like, I'm like, you know, like this is what's going through my brain. I'm like, there's, that's not going to happen. That's not true. <laughs> this is just flimsy plastic in the closet. Anyway, so hopefully that doesn't happen because <laughs> it's gone. Yeah, no kidding. Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully. Do you ever experience that? I Well, okay. So, I mean, my, my closest experience with this is that once upon a time, Alice and I bought a camper. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and I remember. This was like one of those things. So you wouldn't be bored. So I wouldn't be bored. <laughs> yeah. um, exactly. It's this, is, and that was the thing too. It's like it's possible that we could go camping every weekend. However, we live very busy lives. <laughs> right. <laughs> and it's like that's that's the thing though. It's like <clears throat> it wasn't impossible for me to think that we could go and actually use this thing. The problem was we didn't actually go and use this mm-hmm. thing and yeah. that ended up being the problem. So what ended up being the case is that parked in my driveway was right next to where I store all my you know, organic matter. Yeah. Right? Um, was this gigantic structure on wheels yeah. of which I used like four times ever yeah. in the course of like five years that I owned it. That's and almost once a year. I know. And so, um, pretty good, right? Pretty good. I slept in it once. We went to Disney World. It worked out for me. I know. That's true. That's true. Um, there were a couple of cool experiences. I learned a lot from owning it, too. Um, however, in my mind, I'm like, dude, it's basically new in the box. You right. know, like I have, it has sat in the same place and hasn't moved for basically the whole time I've got it. So, like, when the day came where I was like, you know what, I'm just going to look into selling it, like, I don't know that much left on it or whatever. Like, this will be fine. And so I go to get it, like, assessed at, like, the local dealership. And sure enough, in the five years that I've owned it, the roof has leaked and <laughs> caused the wall to bubble, which is, like, it, it, like there is one wall. And because that wall bubbled, the only way to repair it is to replace the whole wall, Ugh. which costs more than what the thing is worth. Yeah. Um, now you're upside down on the camper. And then you're upside down on the camper. And this, it was just like one of these things where I was like, what do I do? Because it's so big. It's like the opposite of your problem where it's 10 square feet. It's like, I literally have a room on wheels that's yeah. like 200 square feet in my driveway that like I can't make go away. Right. Because the wall has a bubble in it. Yeah. And it was like, the wall was still there. It can pour. I, I've been in it when it was pouring rain. No water is coming in it, but the bubble is there. Okay, go and, pop that bubble, man. Dude, I considered it. Yeah. I, I, I considered a whole bunch of things to get rid of that bubble. And anyway, I finally was able to get it figured out and it was fine. And I eventually sold it and all is well and it's gone. I have my driveway back, which I can now use to grow pumpkins. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> common, common way to use solution found one's driveway. Yeah. But yeah, so that was that was my more real world version of it. Yeah. But I do know what you mean. It's like, yeah, you got yeah. those little like extra bits from your from your mini blinds yeah. in each of your respective rooms, and it's like, oh man, okay. Yeah, I can't get rid of those three screws. Can I tell you that part of what I threw out with this was also just some blinds that had fallen off the window? Nice. Yeah, they had been sitting in my basement. Like Luke has this little like VTech little you know interactive alphabet machine thing. Sure. Yeah. It's like it looks like a tiny little desk for kids, and uh, it is it's a cool toy. But anyway, underneath it has been sitting mini blinds that fell off the window, and like that I had not put back up yet because I can't put them back up. Because the reason they fell out was because whoever put them in the first place didn't use studs. And now there's just giant holes where you're supposed to put the oh, blinds no. back up. So it's I like know. they're 
unreinstallable. But in my mind, I'm like, well, if I throw them out, then I can't reinstall them. But it's like, you already can't reinstall them. I just so, try to use the philosophy. If I haven't touched this in the past two years, then I'm then then it's done. Oh, yeah. It's well, like, then it's fine. Exactly. So, the abs- so I can tell you for sure those mini blinds are now in the trash can. The other the reason that it made me that it took me such a long time, though, was like, it's not a single set of windows. It's two sets of windows next to each other. So now half of the window is covered by blinds and the other half is not. So you need a you need a blinds guy. I need a blinds guy, man, because you know what? This exact problem has happened in three separate rooms of the house. They made the same mistake everywhere, and I just have random unblinded windows that I I don't even like the blinds that are up. So yeah, I need a blinds guy. If you know a guy, just you know, hit him up, hit me up with him or something. Bear you that link. Bear me that link, dude. Okay, I'll do it anyway. Anyway, guys, <laughs> thank you so much for tuning into this week's episode of the Pop. I feel like we've rambled. But hopefully it was it was a good time for all. Hopefully it was a good time. Clear out that clutter from the last owners. You don't need it. I promise. Uh, Yeah, there you go. You heard it here first. Yeah. Uh, If you guys have any feedback on today's episode, you can send that over to popcornculturepod at gmail.com or you can message us on uh, Twitter or join the conversation going on over on Reddit. Uh, If you would like to support the show, there's a couple of really cool ways to do that. Um, Specifically, Patreon. Uh, We have at the $5 tier, the show after the show. No, that's the wrong show. After the final pop, after the final pop, which is uh, an extra fifteen to twenty minutes that we record after each week's episode, uh, and then at the twenty-five dollar tier, we have our exclusive merch, uh, which we come out with something new each quarter. We are now into a brand new quarter, which means the announcement for the brand new merch is coming very, very soon. Indeed. In, in fact, you've probably even been given some hints. You just don't know it yet. Um, <laughs> but if you'd like to check any of that out, it's Patreon.com/slash popcorn culture otherwise until next time pop pop when you need mealtime inspiration it's worth shopping kroger where you'll find over thirty thousand mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie and no matter what tasty choice you make you'll enjoy our everyday low prices plus extra ways to save like digital coupons worth over six hundred dollars each week you can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points more savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping kroger worth it every time kroger fresh for everyone fuel restrictions apply